Hey folks, and tonight's episode is brought to you by YesPleaseVintage.com. If you're in the States and a fan of vintage and upcycled housewares and clothing, give YesPleaseVintage.com a check for clothing, jewelry, homeware, and some really awesome finds. So go check them out now at YesPleaseVintage.com. And currently, if you spend over $60, you get free shipping on all orders. the Asian Cinema Film Club, episode 69. I'm your host, as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is my co-host, the professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello, everybody. On tonight's episode, we look at an anime classic as we check out Ninja Scroll. But before we get into that, it's time to ask what you've been watching, and Stephen, what has been holding your interest in anything since the last episode? So I've got a couple of things. Um, I can't remember if we've spoken about this on the podcast or not, but obviously... A few, well, probably over a year ago, um, you got the Criterion Godzilla Showa era collection, and I got lucky on Amazon Prime Day, which gives you a clue about when these episodes, these things are recorded. Um, anyway, I managed to pick up the set myself, um, and instead of just going through it, you know, starting at the first film and <laughs> working my way through. I was kind of fascinated by Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla. Partly okay. because obviously Mechagodzilla plays a huge part in um in the in the Kong versus Godzilla Legendary Monsters verse film which came out this year. He he plays a role because you can't really have either either your big characters die, so you've got to come up with a third thing for them to unite against. Exactly. In that traditional um, versus formula. I mean, the only other option is that you fight to a draw, as in Freddy versus Jason. So yeah, I think it was inevitable that they they would work in Mechagodzilla that way, even though. I mean, yeah, they, for... and they'd obviously shot their bolt with King of the Monsters, where any other, like King Ghidorah could have come in or something like that. They, uh... Yeah, they could have. I mean, they could have. But from the way it was set up, I mean, they could have done Mecha King Ghidorah. That would have been really cool. Mm. But um, you know. What do I know? <laughs> anyway, so reading, I was reading around this movie, and even the in in sort of the notes in this box set, yeah. they struggle sometimes to say nice things about some of the films. So okay. I sort of went into it with a bit of trepidation, thinking, um, sort of they quote reviews that call it a bit of a mess and things like that, and I actually really, really liked it. And I've got a new second favourite kaiju now in King Caesar, which is King Caesar, which is really, which is a man dressed in a tatty old Chinese lion suit, and there's just no fucking pretense that that's what it is. But actually, you know, it's it's not particularly original. It uses lots of Things from previous Godzilla films, you know, like the aliens that have come down and trying to fool everybody by yeah. setting people up. And there's weird stuff that goes on, like a song for King Caesar that a lady sings. Literally the whole song they just give her time to sing. And the Godzilla outfit's looking a bit worse for wear, to be honest with you. But Mecha Godzilla is freaking cool. And 
I, I don't know. I just really enjoyed it. And um, I don't know why I'm taking this random approach to the films on it. But yes, I expect over the next few months I will be bringing up others. Um, I, I don't know. As a, as a Kaiju fan, yes, um, yes. How does it fit in in the uh, in the hierarchy for you? Um, I mean, Mecha Godzilla is a very key kaiju within the Godzilla universe. I mean, he's up there with the likes of King Ghidorah as being like a main enemy of Godzilla. I mean, he comes back multiple times over the series franchise. I mean, certainly within this era, because I think you've also got Terra Mecha Godzilla on that That's set. The la- yeah, these are the last two films on the set. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's um, he comes back in that one and obviously teams up with Titanosaurus. Which is is pretty good, but I mean, I love the setup of Godzilla, Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, and the fact that you've got this imposer Godzilla, and it is also one of the more violent entries in this particular era. When you consider the fact that Anglus gets his jaw broken, um, <coughs> and there's yeah. quite a bloody battle between you know Mechagodzilla and uh, and Godzilla, he gets pretty bloodied up in this one. And I think of this era, um, Godzilla versus Gigan is like the other one that's pretty bloody as well so this one it, I'd say it's not one of my favourites I think if we were talking like my favourites of this this era we got to like look at um, Ibira Horror of the Deep which has got the naff name of Godzilla versus the Sea Monster mm. in Godzilla versus Gigan is like right up the, the top um, obviously Destroyer Monsters is like the Taj Mahal of this era um, when you like, obviously exclude like the original Godzilla, and perhaps to an extent Godzilla raids again. I think like Destroy Monsters is just such a fantastic movie, and the fact that that was going to be like the movie that was going to mothball the franchise. It was going to like they basically like throwing everything they had at it. But yeah, Rehu Kitamura, the director of Versus, is also lists King Caesar as his favorite kaiju. He does, doesn't he? I saw, I, I saw that, and he made me think. Like, I mean, is he really my favourite kaiju? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know about that. But the fact you put him above Anglus is offensive already. Oh, Godzilla's friend Anglus. I didn't realise that's what he was known. Anglus is. Oh, originally he's Godzilla. He fights uh, Godzilla in Godzilla vs. Raids again, and then for no explainable reason, when he comes back, they're friends. Yeah, and and you're right though. The you know, although it's a man fighting a a, a model. That is a particularly bloody battle when Mechagodzilla beats down Anglis. So, and and then when Mechagodzilla is pumping out in his full arms and stuff like that, it's um pretty amazing. I mean, there's there's other stuff going on here as well. There's actually not that much kaiju action. It, most of it happens in sort of the last twenty minutes of the film. Yeah, as 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 quite often is the case, isn't it? There's 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 an early section and then later on. But there's all sorts of fun stuff going on. There's secret societies. There's scientists who build special pipes that you know, smoking pipes that are clearly designed to be the um to to, to have something to do with the uh, conclusion of the film like just weird but then i also watched the tomorrow war this week um and which did something very similar with a bunch of nonsense stuff which all led together to create the uh, the the final act but uh yeah, I, I, I really I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm thinking if this is if this is the, the lower mm. part of what this box set's got to offer, I'm wow. gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have a hell of a good time, you know? Uh, I think because you've got all monsters attack mm-hmm. still to watch, which is that I think that's that's the real bad 
that's that's one. the low point, right? When, when the bullied uh, child goes to Monster Island and hangs out with, uh, with oh, uh, Manila. With Manila, yes. What's the one? Uh, what's the one where Godzilla? You hear him speak, or they have speech bubbles? Oh, that yeah, that's uh, Godzilla versus Gigan. In the Japanese cut, they have speech bubbles. In the Americanized cut, they have like really questionable translation. It's sort of like you have this noise of like a stereo being tuned in, mm-hmm. and it's like I hear something, <laughs> and it's like come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not like in depth conversation. It's just basically because they needed to clearly put something in there, and he, you will find, um, over over this era, they try a number of things once, mm-hmm. uh, like when you get onto Godzilla versus um, Hidora or Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. Um, he he does a, a rather remarkable skill, which I can re- I tell you now what it is. Is that the one with Jet Jaguar? No, that's uh, Godzilla vs. Megalon. I'm just thinking the that's... one the one skill I'm thinking of is the flying tail kick. But go on. Yeah. Oh no. The um. Yeah. He he can fly. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> um. So yeah, he only does that once. They only talk once, and that's in Godzilla vs. Gigan. But yeah, the flying tail kicks in Godzilla vs. Megalon. Um, which is interesting because that's the one where they let kids design a monster to be featured in in there. And of course, kids are all fan of Ultraman, so they basically design Ultraman clones yeah. to to uh, go in there. So that's why Jet Jaguar looks the way he does. Very much like Ultraman, yes. Anyway, it was really enjoyable, really enjoyable, yeah. um, and sort of just helped justify. You know, even though I got fifty pounds off it, it's still a lot of money, isn't it? I don't think you've even unwrapped yours, have you? Nope. No, it's, it's um, still in the shrink wrap. I'm, if I leave it long enough, mm-hmm. it will be like that copy of um, the Velvet Underground's yeah. banana album. You should do. But, but obviously, they've still got some around because I was still able to buy one. I know, but but it will I be. be. I could be like Pen, uh, Pen because he's got a wrapped copy of that, and not even Lou uh, Reed has a wrapped copy of it. Well, well, Lou Reed's dead, so he hasn't got anything. But yes, <laughs> <laughs> no. If anyone though, you know, dumbing an R in. It's a really lovely set. It's a lot thinner than I thought it was. It's got seven discs of films, an extra disc of some extra stuff, and then it's got some beautiful art, sort of like I don't know. It's not. It's bigger than A4, but smaller than A3 size. The whole thing and some lovely. Um, yeah, it doesn't fit on any shelf, but it's got some lovely um, art by comic artists like Art Adams and Becky Cloonan, one for each of the films, and a, a nice bit. Of t- yeah, it's a really, it's a really nice set. And and they look fantastic. Certainly, the, the the two films I've watched on it so far have looked amazing. So there was that, and then uh, ever the contrarian, um, our friends on the sixth best Asian cinema podcast, uh, Eastern Kicks. With... <laughs> not that we're keeping no, <laughs> not that we're keeping no, but no. My, obviously, my my old my old friends, and I still write for them occasionally, and and sometimes do little bits for their podcast. They were doing a show on Johnny Toe, um, particularly um, his crime films. Obviously, I talked about PTU last week, right? Last episode, didn't I? Where um, yeah, I'd reviewed PTU for the show, and so they sort of did a podcast around that. Um, I, I, I was on the podcast, but I, I've submitted a little sort of um, a piece, as I quite often do, um, talking about how Johnny Toe, and again, I've talked about this before, doesn't just do these crime films that us, us critics love and all the film festivals love, because actually they don't make a lot of money locally. 
and Johnny Toe basically funds his career by making romantic comedies and other weird sorts of films. And so I wanted just to bring that audience, make sure they knew that not everything was um, was PTU or um, election or is it the mission you know all, the, all these films of mad detective but none, they weren't all like that so i did a little piece on his film my left eye sees ghosts which is sort of made at sameish sort of time as the sixth sense was doing so sixth sense was what, about 98 99 isn't it and and it spawned lots of ghost films around the place and of course it also spawned them in in hong kong now chinese people in general have a slightly different relationship with death than maybe we do and you know, there, there are ghostly creepy stories but most of them come out of like places like thailand whereas hong kong don't really have a big tradition of of traditional ghost stories although at the time we had the eye which we've covered in a very early episode here um and and a few others but toe took a comedic route to this 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 I can see ghosts idea um, starring um, Sammy Cheng who was at the time the queen of canto pop so again you know like casting Madonna in something and he'd already made a bit of a star of her uh, in um, in an earlier film which I can't remember the title knowing you or something like that it's called with Andy Lau and this one she's just fantastic and she's like this this force of nature and basically the story is um, and it opens really, really quickly. <laughs> um, she has married a very rich guy that she's only known for seven days and he's dead. So basically they have a whirlwind holiday romance, get married on holiday and then he dies in an accident on holiday. She comes back and basically she's now the heir to his fortune. His family thinks she's a gold digger. And to be honest with you, you'd think she was as well. She's a horrible person. She drinks, she smokes. She lounges around, doesn't do anything, doesn't look after the, the house, pays no attention to his business. Um, but actually, what we find out quite early on is that there's, there's something more going on here. And actually, she's hurting quite a lot from what happened. Um, she has a horrible car accident in which she dies. But another ghost is hanging around the, the scene and basically forces her back in her body. So she continues living again. Um, for the rest of the film, this ghost is hanging around her, and this 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 ghost says that he's the ghost of a young boy that she went to elementary school with, um, and uh, you know, wacky hijinks ensue. I'm not going to spoil it, but basically, she can see ghosts, and she works mostly on her own, but sometimes with this other this other ghost played by um, Sean Lau, who's like one of Johnny Toe's go-to guys and her father is um suet lamb so you know it's, it's a johnny toe production it's just a comedic one um and it's not only funny but it's got a fantastic twist that is just laid bare in every scene and if you get it in advance well done if you don't get it in advance it's well worth watching it for a second time because every scene is literally dripping with clues about what is going on here and it's and it's not only funny it's quite emotional and it's a film about grieving and it's a film about uh relationships and it's just held together these two great central performances and i just really wanted to talk about that so i've done that now twice <laughs> but it's a really good film and it's maybe a film i might bring back to the show at some point because i think in the west 
so many people look at Johnny Toe films and just think about the crime dramas and they're the ones that are coming over and being released by Criterion and by Eureka and by Masters of Cinema whereas actually that's maybe a third of his CV and there's all these other films which all right they might not play as easy because there might be some cultural issues there but I'd really love to I'd really love to see a blu-ray of this one come over but it's unlikely anyway that's my two um what about you sir for myself i mean first off the with the new Beverly, they reopened i want to say this last last week or so so it meant we got a new new beverly calendar which is really exciting because if you like myself and like to print off the little pdf of uh, what's showing at the new Bev and use it to inspire your movie viewing. Um, it's great to finally have a new calendar to look at and play along with because a lot of people just like download the calendar and then they they get hold of the films and watch it because they can't obviously get to the new Bev because we can't all live this glamorous lifestyles where we can just go to revival cinemas and stuff. Some of us have responsibilities and things. So. Um, but something that really caught my um, attention on there at the start of the month, they were doing a Bruce exploitation double bill, and they were showing Fist of Fury two and The Big Boss two. Uh, both films, obviously not starring Bruce Lee, but um, instead starring impersonators, shall we say? Uh, because the Bruce exploitation genre was basically that it was either actors who looked like Bruce or actors who they gave names to sound like Bruce, so hence a lot of Bruce lies and Bruce Lee, it's about L-I um, and you had like Dragon Lee and Conan Lee and uh, this one in particular stars um, a Chan Chen um, and um, he's better known he was here credited as Bruce Lai so uh, Bruce and then L-I and um, it picks up after the events of the original Fist of Fury, and he plays his basically his brother who comes to seek revenge. Um, and the Japanese have uh, started moving in on the Chinese fighting schools again. And at the same time, he's, there's also the corrupt government officials to deal with. So it's a a fun time. It's obviously not on the same level as uh, Fist of Fury, but at the same time, it's interesting because I mean this in the fact that. Bruce Lai has been clearly sort of coming into his home now. He's a lot more confident with a lot of the trademark stuff. So, like, when he uses the nunchucker, he's a lot more confident. And the fight scenes in particular are interesting enough, although they're sort of more group brawls than sort of like the one-man army approach that you would get with, like, the Bruce Lee movies. So there's uh, definitely some fun to be had there. I know there's a third one uh, which continues the journey of this same character, but... Um, I've heard it's not particularly good, so I've got that one still to watch. I've watched a lot of Drek this week, so I'm not going to really cover that. Um, but I have also started watching the Sleepy Eyes of Death movies, which I think there's about 14 of. That's a, That sounds like an enterprise. <laughs> it, I just stumble into these things. It's sort of like, you just think, oh, I'd, I'm just going to suddenly like watch the Sleepy Eyes of Death series or something like that. and Or it's a case of I don't know if you like myself, where you just like go on the hunt for things, um, just because you have those sort of spare of the moment ideas. It's all like, oh, I can find the first one. Can I find the other fourteen? Yeah, unfortunately, I do. We're called men, and that's the sort of obsessive behaviour that we get into. <laughs> Even though we have more than enough to watch, we will find. Oh yeah, we will find something, and then we'll go. 
I want to know all of it. <laughs> I'd say I would, I just I just keep I get like part way into something and I get distracted by something new and shiny. It's I just really should be. I said to myself I was just gonna like clear out these discs and of course it's not happening. <laughs> so, um, but um, there's a couple of really exciting releases heading over to the Arrow Player as well. Uh, so we've got uh, Giants and Toys. And um, the other one, which I can't remember how to pronounce. Irizumi. Irizumi is also going over there as well. Um, so that's really exciting to see Arrow obviously adding these titles to to their player. Um, I also had a rather cage-shaking moment with them over Twitter where I was like, saying, oh, how come the American and Canadians get like all the classic slash movies like they're getting Shockwaves and they're getting Maniac and God Told Me to Kill and it's like us Brits are just like being looked over, should we say. Um, and they sent me back this like really diplomatic sort of email and I felt bad for <laughs> starting in the first place. What did they say then? They were just like, oh, we would like to be bringing these two. And it's unfortunately, and sometimes it's not possible at this moment, but it's not to say that they won't be in future. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like the most, they just seem to know how to play. It's like, okay, mm. we can be friends still. So I can see, I, I, I've bought the um, the Blu-rays of Uzumi and Giants and Toys a yeah. um, couple of, in the last couple of, in the last month, I say. So it seems to me that, that this is what they are doing now that that they release something and then about a month later it appear in the arrow player so there's some of the stuff i mean obviously there's a few titles on there there's actually quite a few titles like they've got none of the cronenberg titles they haven't got like the thing or mm. tremors for example they haven't even got like um coed and tate which is one i've really wanted to see with roy schneider mm-hmm um, and then obviously at the same time you got like the geo-locking things so things like Vigilante we haven't been able to see which is really frustrating because I mean that's Robert Forrester um, like doing the Charles Bronson thing yeah um, I mean unfortunately rights to lots of these things are all over the place aren't they and yeah. whilst I think they would love to be able to just do global releases Lots of these things, especially things from the age of video cassette, have probably found the rights all over the place, and hard to hard to get. But um, yeah, I'm I'm just after my little rant about that they won't bring over things like my left eye sees ghosts. The fact that Giants and Toys has come over is I'm just holding out so much hope that there's this whole set of non-genre Japanese film, if that makes sense. Something, everything that seems to come over is a horror film yeah. or a samurai film or a, or it's got um, or bad you know the bad girls it's just generic not generic generic's the wrong word because they're absolutely you not you want something less cult you want something a little yeah, more yeah I mean Johnson's was, it's, it's kind of cult but it wasn't meant to be <laughs> it's, um, and you know there's, there's a load of I guess, I guess one of the things I when I first started writing about Asian cinema. The point was not everything is these genre films. Some things are are just romantic comedies or biographies or just played out dramas, and we see so few of them over here. Um, maybe South Korean stuff. Maybe we get a bit more of it because of the because of the gigantic directors we get. But I do think Japanese cinema is particularly ill served. 
in terms of the stuff that comes over it, it, even even yeah I, I yeah I'll, I'll i'll stop talking but it, it frustrates me but giants and toys is saying oh my god i can't believe they knew that film existed <laughs> so, i'm looking it's... forward to that when that comes over and i'll get that on the show they do constantly keep surprising, and it's interesting the fact that these they're, they're going the way that they they have been with like some of the titles that they've been bringing out. So I think that the tides definitely shifted. I mean, there's only so many times you can re-release like the Bruce Lee collection or the Jackie Chan movies. Uh, so I think the fact that and there being so many boutique labels now, I think that Arrow really sort of like branching out and doing things like Dajamon that came out of nowhere. Yeah, I wish it wasn't um, fifty pounds, but um, <laughs> yeah. Although, as I was saying to you tonight, I've ordered the new Shaw Brothers one from Arrow. I know you ordered the new <laughs> Shaw ones. It's like, <sighs> oh, that's quite stressful when I ordered that. But then I think I'll probably get quite a lot of value out of it. But yes, Digimon is a, is an amazing example of something that I think we we knew of that existed on YouTube and bad videos, and it's coming across with a lovely Blu-ray. Um, even the Gamera films, to an extent, that they... Um, was that... That's true. I mean, we never had UK releases for the Gamera films before. So, um, I, think, I think they know they're going to sell 3,000 of them, and that's probably their, um, that's probably their break, break level limit. Um, mm. So, yeah. It also... I think it also, like, falls on, like, when you have, like, something like Giants and Toys comes up and they shift a lot of units of it, it encourages you to, to do other ones on there. And then you've got the really complex business strategy that they've got, because I think they're, like, teamed up with Terracotta and Fair Window Films. So it's, like, a number of different distributors under the one banner. I can't remember who's powering who exactly, but I, I remember that they're all linked in one way or another. Arrow are in charge because they have a much, you know, their Asian cinema output is about a tenth of what they do. You know, they've got a lot of stuff. They they release a lot of Jallo. They release a lot of American films. You know, sometimes quite famous ones. And <clears throat> at the same time, they keep funding it all by re-releasing Donnie Darko and Battle Royale. <laughs> I think, I think it is a nice set for Battle Royale. I think, I think we're on we our said. fourth different Battle Royale set and our third Donnie Darko set from Arrow. Um, <laughs> but it does look glorious. And but I'm not buying a, a, an ultra high definition player just 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 for just for that film because I think we might want to take a rest from Battle Royale for a while <laughs> after in a few weeks' time. Although I do see it's on it's on my local showcase on the first of August. And it's tempting. And then we have, like, you know, the more recently we had the Bong Joon-ho uh, box set put out by Terracotta as well. Oh, which is a thing of beauty. And... I don't like I don't like the covers. I That's really, it... I really like the art style. But I know what you mean. I think it's... Uh... It feels like it's stumbled into Wes Anderson's territory. It is. So I, I picked that up as well. But I went... I went of course you did. I went in, well... <laughs> <sighs> yeah, of course I did. Well... Can't wait to see the credit card bill at the end. Don't, it's gonna be like don't, a, don't. it's gonna be like um, like the ma- the Akira manga. It's gonna be this I, phone book. I shouldn't, I shouldn't realize. Uh, it was qu- it was quite good value for money, right? Mm-hmm. I, I have got most of the films on there, although you know, I probably now don't need my uh, Parasite Blu-ray. I probably don't need. Um, I think there's at least I've got others on on. DVD and a lot of them are on like Hong Kong DVD, so they're not fantastic quality, and it's and it's not complete. 
Um, I, yeah. and, I, and I don't need a black and white version of Parasite. Um, but, you know, it's got Mother, which we know we've discussed on this film. It's got... Um, Oh, crikey, I can't remember what else it's got on it. But it's, I, I think it's really nice. What was really good, though, is that I was in the HMV in Reading when I bought it, and the person behind the counter said, we've sold loads of these. It was like the last one in the shop. And yeah. and I just thought that was really interesting. That in a... I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think of my town as one as particularly one that's uh, full of art house Asian cinema gurus although i do know someone else in town who who is actually works at the university <laughs> who's very big on it and might twist and kicks but you know she can only count for one other of these box sets so i was just really interesting that that the guy had noticed that they'd sold a lot of a 50 pound box set of south korean movies so that's interesting and you know back to what you said about giants and toys if people are buying these things they will keep making them so it's really good news for arrow and terracotta and um third window films all all the power to them if they're working together oh yeah definitely i think and with the arrow player i mean the arrow player is a really fantastic service especially if you're like myself and don't have a lot of room for storing distance stuff or you don't want to be spending taking like the rest on getting um the more out there titles, it's really good that you can get a lot of them on the player. Because let's face it, I mean, no else is really sort of uh, providing at the moment. I mean, Amazon lost all their Shaw Brothers titles, so they've gone from being that great old school video store sort of feeling you had over there to just being naff again. Netflix have gone a weird direction where they just seem to be picking up classic anime because uh, they just recently sneaked on Akira with no fanfare whatsoever. Yeah, it's no anniversary of it or anything, is there, coming up? No, it's it's just a weird one to... Yeah, that, thought... Especially that you don't, like, make more of a song and dance about it. I mean, they they obviously did the big announcement for when they had Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I hope it's just, just you know, this path they take where they bring in, like, more classic anime, because I would love to see, like, Ninja Scroll and Vampire Hunter D, Wings of Honor S, um, these real classic anime titles being added to it and these things which i guess you know up to now on things like crunchyroll right and not on a i mean i, I think there, isn't there a gal uh, is, is there a legal issue with crunchyroll i mean i don't know uh, well i mean with, with crunchyroll i mean crunchyroll just tends to cater for the series right. and then again it's like more modern series that it does the same with like high dive and um funimation uh so there's a lot of these like old school ova titles that just aren't really out there on any sort of platforms that were like manga releases and stuff like when you look at like Goku's Midnight Eye and the Mm -hmm. Crime Freeman uh, OVAs that sort of thing so it'd be good to see them like go across. Yeah I mean mean, Netflix models just fascinating to me. We've been speaking for the last couple of years of the the things which have been turning up there things like Kingdom, um, things like a whole bunch of K-dramas and Taiwanese dramas and 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 um uh, not and 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 you know I I found a really good Vietnamese thriller on there and and some of it's because you know they they operate in all these countries and I guess some of these things they just ungeolock I suppose <laughs> but uh, you know we, you and I we're not into our K-dramas so much are we so um we're probably missing a whole audience there we should we maybe we should follow a K-drama for a all 22 episodes. How do you feel about that? 
I have Kim who tells me all about the um, all the Chinese drama shows. Because oh, Chinese dramas are another thing again because they have hundreds of episodes. <laughs> for some reason, oh, she, she says she just spends a lot of time getting upset for them. So. Yeah, no, K, K drama is 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 very different. Um, and and then you know you have the Filipino dramas and. Taiwanese. I, I'm quite a fan of the Taiwanese dramas, but I think I, I only know them from about ten years ago, when they were probably very, very, very popular and K dramas just taking over the world. Yes, the um the, mm. the the Chinese stuff's more akin to soap operas, ongoing, ongoing, ongoing soap operas. But you know, people like um, what's his name? Chow Yun Fat made his name in a in a um a Chinese. TV series called The Bund, so you know people do move from there to cinema. But yes, maybe yeah. maybe I'll convince you after our next our next project. Yes, indeed, because um, we are drawing to a close with our battle royale breakdown. Uh, if you haven't checked it out already, please do it. So it will be coming up in, on the main feed, or you can find its own independent feed just by looking at battle royale podcast. And uh, yes, we're almost drawing to a close with that one at the moment, and then we'll be. On to our new exciting project, um, headed up by Stephen. Oh, yeah. Um, called Down the Well. Down the Well. We're going to look at every single ring film. Yep. That's going to be, yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bigger challenge than you think, audience. <laughs> How many times can we watch the same movie? That's the <laughs> name of the game. Yeah, you're not wrong. So, um, yeah, that's all to come up. So. We have great exciting projects ahead, people. But, yeah, I mean, I've got nothing else really to add. I mean, it's, as I said, I've got all these bits and pieces everywhere, as it seems to be most weeks. Um, and I've just seen a lot of real dreck. I've had this real sort of streak where just everything I was watching was just awful, awful dreck. Mm. So um, I can safely say that I've got at least three films that I've rated one star this this year. So, Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. Um, which is, you know, for someone like Stephen, just assumes that I just like the worst things. I thought I thought you only liked one star films. <laughs> no, yeah, it's um, it's not good when you hit one of those. It's sort of like, like I saw like Moon Forty Four, which was tedious, and Ice Cream Man, which was just confused mess, and Choke, which should never have been made. But um, yeah. But uh, should we get on to tonight's view? Let's go for it. A hired samurai. The eight devils of Kimon. Jubei Kibagami battles the minions of the Shogun of the Dark. With the aid of Kagero and Dakwa, he must defeat those creatures that rule by terror and use their powers from within the shadows. Winner of the Yubari Fun Festival in Japan. Ninja Scroll is a tale that combines the mysticism of the Far East with lightning samurai action. Ninja Scroll. So tonight we are talking about Ninja Scroll from way back in 1993, and title which unquestionably is one of the key titles of the old school anime scene. Certainly if you were collecting tapes back in like the early 90s, um, you would have... It, I believe it would have been one of those tapes that you would have had in your collection. I mean, everyone had like Ghost in the Shell, and you had Akira, and Ninja Scroll was certainly one of those, much like Legends of the Overfiends. And 
Much like Legend of the Fiend, this is a title that leaned more towards the more extreme side of anime, where like Akira had its obviously extreme moments and Ghost in the Shell uh, had a couple of those action beats in there, but they were a lot more sort of deep and philosophical. This one is just a straight up pop samurai homage and it is all the better for it. Directed by Yoshiki uh, Kawajira, who might not be a name that sort of like stands out initially to yourself, but he did do a lot of fun projects over the years. I mean, he's contributed to anthologies like uh, Batman Gotham Knight and The Animatrix. He did the short program, uh, which is like the Feudal Japan one. He did Wicked City and um, both of the Goku Midnight Eyes. He did the X movie. And he also did Highlander, The Search for Vengeance, which was the anime spin-off, um, as well as one of my favourite OVAs of all time, Cyber City Aweedo 808, uh, which was kind of like a cyberpunk version of Suicide Squad, with uh, convicts knocking time off their sentence by taking on suicidal crime cases. Um, and one that I really recommend checking out, if you can get a hold of the DVD, definitely check it out. It's only three episodes long, so it, you can watch all three together and have it like as a movie sort of thing, but of these titles ninja scroll is like the one that well and truly sort of stands out well above the others and it follows a swordsman for hire named jubai who's caught up in a government plot uh when a mysterious village sorry a mysterious virus um appears to decimate a village he's hired to go and investigate teaming up with a female ninja whose body is comprised of poison and a government spy who basically takes on the form of a wizened old man along the way fighting off against his old master master who he'd previously decapitated and yet has somehow managed to come back to life as well as the seven devils who um, act as henchmen um steven i mean this is obviously another anime title that i've had you watch because when we saw this you hadn't really watched a lot of anime apart from like you know classy fair like um the Stuart Ghibli movies and stuff. Yeah, on the whole. Um, <clears throat> saying that, though, I was aware of this as a title, because, like you say, back in the day, um, videotape day, this was, you know, like Akira, like Ghost in the Shell, like The Legend of the Overfiend. <laughs> these, these these, were films I, I would have seen on the shelves in the tiny little anime section that, that used to <laughs> exist. That has now become what appears to be half a store these days in, in most in most um, bricks and mortar video shops. Um, yeah, um, it also like when it came out, it was in the UK. It was censored, and I think we've both watched the the full version because they re-released it some years later. Um, I've got to say, I, I've got a bit of a problem with it. <laughs> okay. I found I, fa- I found the bit that had been censored. I'd rather it hadn't been put back in um, because it, <laughs> it it didn't upset me, but I found it of its time a bit and a bit gross. And but on the other hand, this reminded me of and it's <laughs> it's funny you um you mentioned this that basically the 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 guys, some of the production team on this, some of the artists and the like on this, actually also worked on the um, Samurai Showdown games. 
Yep. <laughs> and, and, and there is a real visual similarity. And not only that, but they take, there are some historic, sort of, sort of historicalish characters in here as well as some crazy, crazy characters. And, uh, yeah, the, you, you can certainly see that there is a, um, a visual similarity. And I, I think you said that some characters maybe have appeared in the, in the Oh yeah. Years. Like Dubai is in, yeah. uh, Samurai Showdown 2. The old man is also in Samurai Showdown 2 as well. Yeah. Um, and he's got the same moves as well, which is even more bizarre. But like with Dubai, they changed him. So he's got like, the two swords and the eye patch. Right. Um, whereas the, the old ninja in here is look exactly the same. <laughs> and you can obviously compare other characters within this to other ones. Like the um, girl with the bird looks very similar to our female ninja here. Gotcha. And uh, we obviously got the blind ninja who is very similar to... Um, there's another. There's like a blue head ninja in that okay. that game who. Um... So I've I've got another. Yeah, I've got, I've got another connection. So it's really nice because obviously you know as as people might know I'm into my retro games. So when you told me that that that's oh and and I could see the clearly the art style is absolutely inspired by those um, somewhere I showed inspired by that and then sort of digging a bit deeper to find out that some of the artists and production team absolutely worked on both it makes a lot of sense um that blind ninja that you mentioned oh he's not he's not a ninja is he? he's a he's a samurai um actually is incredibly similar to um someone in, currently in in sort of the marvel x-men universe at the moment sort of one of the uh, one of wolverine's um nemesis nemesis called gorgon who is a blind um Samurai. <laughs> Although he can also turn people to stone, but that's his mutant power. But very similar in visuals and the character and, and things like that. And to be honest with you, that's what this film made me think of. If I, if I put aside the sexual violence and, and the grossness of some of that, um, what yeah. this made me think of is a superhero film. Because, you know, you, call, you said it's Pop Samurai, but it's all these guys have got amazing superpowers, basically. And the fact that it's set in feudal era Japan is just by the by, because these could all be mutants from the X-Men. Every single one of them with their powers and then the, the strange shit going down. And the stuff I'm going to have to get you to explain to me, because um, even though I've watched it twice, some of it I didn't get. Um, so okay. I, I'm... <sighs> Yeah, we'll, we'll keep talking about it. I, I, I'm currently on the fence, but I think you might yeah. be able to talk me into um, appreciating it more. Okay. Well, I mean, for the start, you obviously mentioned already there's some elements of sexual violence. There's also extreme gore in this because that is very much what a lot of the old school anime was. Not all old school anime is all like sex and violence, but certainly a lot of the popular titles that were brought over, especially those picked up by Manga Entertainment, those were the ones they sort of gravitated towards because that's what the audience basically liked to see at the time. And when you bring across things like if you have like a hit with Akira, people are going to be like, oh, I want another Akira. And then they go into like something like Ghost in the Show. And with Ninja Scroll, it was kind of unique because there wasn't any real sort of like any sort of like big samurai um, sort of animes out there. You had things such as like Samurai X. But even that didn't go as hard as this one does. And certainly when you look at this one, there is very little signs of like restraint. And it puts it very much in that sort of category of adult animation of things like Fritz the Cat, which I think would have been the only sort of comparison a lot of people had when they were looking at something to compare these ultraviolet cartoons. And it's kind of fun now when you look at where anime is now and it's pretty much moved away from like the sex and the violence that 
made these um, old school anime titles like stand out really so it's kind of interesting that we've obviously become a lot more restrained with what with the sort of anime when it comes to what you have in anime now but he does in many ways this is very comparable to the other film we did wicked city which is um a modern day um set set anime where you've got the human world and you've got the demon world and they've got this like Battlestar galactica style truce and they're like um the human agent has to work with this female demon agent to um, get this old man through to this uh, peace treaty sort of signing and it has a similar sort of situation here where you have them encounter unusual characters with bizarre special abilities so I like I mean there's something about this one as I say he's got that pop samurai sensibility so you can compare it to like baby cart in peril it's very sort of action packed and stuff the opening of it is like a baby cart in peril isn't it until it goes a bit wacky <laughs> <clears throat> but the first thing I wrote on my notes is, "Oh, this is like this is like um, Lone Wolf and Cub," and uh, and then all the characters suddenly got a bit mutantish and weird. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's beautiful. You know, I, I was really surprised how great the artwork was and how well animated it was. I mean, quite a lot of anime that I come across it always feels like they don't bother animating every scene sometimes <laughs> a lot of it quite often doesn't have the flow that I expect maybe from western animation but this is lovely this is um and it's got a really nice um look and feel to it you know the characters are all kind of long and thin but I'm all right with that because it's all consistent everybody looks consistent there's no weird moments where someone suddenly gets giant eyes or does that thing that they do, you know, where they <laughs> they simplify the character to show some kind of emotion? No, this is this is this is like a film. And to, to see that actually it was planned to be two forty-five minute episodes, I think um, I'm glad I'm glad it was made into a more feature length, you know, classic feature length thing. Yeah, um, certainly the Wachowskis were finally cited as a, an influence on the Matrix franchise. Um, and that's kind of the reason that they brought him in to do segments for mm. the Animatrix. Uh, much like Production IG, they brought in as well. So there's a lot of like when it look, you look at the Animatrix, it was like basically a chance for them to like work with all their anime heroes in in a way. Yeah, and I like the fact that with this one, it's not just you know it's not just sex and violence. There's actually a, a half decent story here, and the fact you've got this this plot. That's going through with um, Jibai having to face these eight devils of Kimon, um, and the fact that he teams up with, you know, Kai, who's like a female ninja. And right from the start, I mean, it, it as you said, it hits the ground running, and it it taps into all those things that we like here in the West. We like ninjas, we like samurai swords, we like, you know, mutant beings, and it. And I think this is why it was so popular here, and. I mean, right from the start, we were introduced like uh, Tezai, who's this uh, big hulking um, samurai who can turn his body into stone, and there's like the big um, spinning blade. So, like, we're seeing people like carved in half. We're just like, there's a, a scene where he like basically tears the arms off uh, one of Kai's mentors and drinks his blood because it's that level of grotesqueness that. Uh, that the film doesn't really sort of shy away from and it's really just from the introduction this character would normally be like a real sort of top tier character if you looked at other 
sort of properties um he's just sort of like the base level guy we've got like these other seven weird and wacky samurai that all have special abilities as we said already we've got like um one who can control electricity we've got a dwarf who's got a wasp nest in his back uh we've got an explosives expert we've got a blind samurai so it's uh i think tasai is the one that i had the most trouble with right because obviously he basically well he didn't just rape um Kigero. he licks her all <laughs> it's horrible <laughs> He's in the protest, unfortunately, when um, he gets interrupted by Dubai, who just randomly appears to be sitting in this this room. Yeah. And um, has that great moment where he realizes that his body's made of stone. He's like, oh, is all of you made of stone? And he throws a dagger in his eye. Yeah, I mean, that's really cool. And and, and that's where I'm getting the sort of the whole X-Men superhero vibe from. Yeah, you know, this guy, This, I mean, not, he's not an X-Men, but this guy's like the thing, right? So how would you, oh my God, how would you beat the thing? Or do you know what, how would you beat the thing? You'd fucking throw a dagger in his eye, yeah? <laughs> it's, um, it, it and I, and I kind of liked all that stuff, you know, and then when he was fighting the guy that's, um, that's got the, the wasp nest in his back. Yeah, yeah. go underwater, the wasp can't hurt you, there he goes under there and, 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 and gets him. And so the, there's, there's an intelligence to that side of it. And, and some of those, you know, some of those, there's, there's the woman that's like a snake woman, I suppose, is she? Where she leaves her skin behind and she seems to be able to control. Yeah, thing. she's um, she has a bit. Her, she has living tattoos. Mm. She's covered in the big snake tattoo, and it. Um, she has the ability to control snakes, and um, she has like a, a snake that hides in her backside. <laughs> That's where you hide it. Because of course, and she can. She yeah, she can shed her skin like a snake. Yeah, she's the Richard Gear of snake charmers. Um. <laughs> Surprisingly, she doesn't use it to uh, send messages. Instead, they've got like. The fantastical samurai version of a can on a string. Yeah, so that's exactly the thing that bothers me. So, so whilst we've got all this amazing stuff, there does seem to be a messaging system based on having string in your mouth. I wonder if I was just missing something, or really that is just what it was. <laughs> I guess it's magic. But yeah, I love. I love the, the devils themselves are fantastic. Every single one of them is really, really interesting and. 30 times more interesting than fucking Ray Winston as the bad guy in the Black Widow film, right? So this is this is this is really good interesting stuff. The the, the issue I have with it is all around one character and not only that the fact that she's raped, but that she seems to define herself for the rest of the film about the way to make up to a fellow for for paying back the debt for him saving your life is to sleep with him um and it just i don't know it just feels a bit 1990s really um okay <laughs> yeah um yeah basically because dubai is this like honorable uh, samurai for like 100 pieces of gold you can buy his sword and he will fight for you but as which, we is, see at the start, which is not very honorable <laughs> But at the same time, you say that, but at the start, he he's like walking away and he's eating his rice mm. ball. And his his former group are like, oh, why did you walk away They um, without the gold? And he's like, they didn't have 100 pieces of gold. It's like, what were we supposed to exactly take from them? Um, and at which point his, his former comrades tried to turn on him and he like dispatches them quickly because he's, you know, 
a badass samurai. Yeah, I guess more more than more than honourable. I think he just um, I I don't think he necessarily wants to get involved with things he doesn't need to get involved with. Um, and he's, he's he's somewhat tricked, isn't he, into even taking part in this movie? Yeah, because um, he's approached by the government spy Dacron, who's this uh, basically this old ninja um, who poisons him with a, a poison shuriken, and at which point he d- he attempts to stab him with his own shuriken, <laughs> um, which is a pretty you know understandable thing, but. Yeah, basically he's um, conned into doing this mission because he refuses to give him the antidote until he completes this this mission. Now, Kai, um, obviously our, his, his uh, body's made of poison, so she's able to cure his poison. But in order to do that, he would need... Dacron basically says to her that, you know, Dubai would need to sleep with you in order to cure his poison. So this is why she's constantly trying to offer herself to him. Mm. And in the end... Um, in the end, doesn't need to. No, because they just, they just make out as she... In the end, and, they just need um, to kiss. Of course it. Yeah. That could have that could have solved a lot well, of maybe, things. As I said, I mean, maybe <laughs> the fact that everyone else dies of poisoning because they have sex with her. Because it's not just our stone golem guy we have the shadow ninja guy mm. as well who finds time for some weird bondage thing he's going on with mm. I, I i don't like i'm not I, i'm not a prude right I, I really am not a prude but is it the fact it's cartoons having sex no no i'm all right with cartoons having sex some of the best sex i've ever seen has been in a cartoon no it's it's, it's the fact that <laughs> She... Stephen's weird tagline. No, no, it's it's the fact that she is clearly a really capable ninja in her own right. She's the only yeah. one of her gang that survives. Yet the whole film then turns her into this. She's always making fucking mistakes, right? She's always it's always her mess up that gets them into trouble. She's always trying to recover from it, and the only way that she thinks she can is by sleeping with the guy. And then it turns out that that was pointless anyway, and they could have solved it all with a kiss. Yeah, what, like what's that all about? Well, at least they did, at least they didn't go the way that he had sex with her corpse. That would have been. Too much, it would have been yeah. creepy, wouldn't it? But it's just, just um, but, I, but I also get this is a Japanese film from the 1990s, right? Where they probably this is probably quite mild compared to some of the other stuff that we saw at the time, right? The gore is far more outlandish than the. I mean, certainly, like Legend of the Overfiend goes a lot harder than mm. this does. Um, so certainly there are other titles out there. I mean, things like L.A. Blue Girl and a lot of those sort of titles that are involving schoolgirls and tentacles that go a lot harder than oh this Oh, my God, film. no. This it's not, it's really not just... hentai. No, 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 not at all. But, yeah. Um, but when it comes to her her character, though, there's so there's this underlying story where she's become so used to being seen as just a ninja uh, the fact that she cuts her hair so that she can be seen, that so that her gender doesn't get in the way of her accompanying her fellow ninjas initially on the mission, because until this point she's been basically been used as a poison tester for the uh, for the shogun, because she's you know she's immune to all poison because her body is poison, so a lot of times she's just been 
seen as just like um, a tool or a, a warrior and with Dubai he's like the one person who sees her as being a woman as well which has never been acknowledged so you have this whole sort of plot line of the fact that you know he sees her for who she is and not just what she is um, which adds a lot more depth to it than you would expect from this sort of movie especially one that's like so focused on delivering exhilarating set pieces and short in a very eastern way like when you have the scene of like where he leaps up in the air and it's like the flashing strobe background if this was a western production you would have like the background drawn in we couldn't just have him like hovering in the air while he's going through like massacring ninja after ninja um when it comes to anime they at least have some confidence in the audience to be able to follow what's going on without having to join the background hmm no, um, <clears throat> actually, I'd quite like to see a live-action version of this. Tweak the story a little bit. I mean, it's a superhero film. Have you seen um, what's those um, Chinese films? The Four. Have you seen seen them or heard of them? Anthony Wong. No, I haven't. So there's this, there's this, and and Li Fei, the, the girl from Mulan's in one of the, in them as well. So basically, there's this trilogy of films made, I don't know, about five or six years ago, which are basically superhero films set in feudal china and you know there's four of them and, and they've got one one of them basically in a wheelchair and has mental powers you know <laughs> it's it's feeding up a lot of western stuff but i like that kind of thing i like yeah you know, that's why i like kingdom the zombie film but set in feudal times i i i'd i'd watch a, a, a live action pop samurai film with crazy superpowers and over-the-top actions and nicely stylized. You can get rid of some of the other nonsense. Um, and you know, Dubai's interesting character. He's got, you know, he's 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 the hero, but the links to his past, and we have little flipbacks to the past, don't we? You know, he's there's there's a lot to enjoy here. I just yeah. I just struggle because one of the characters, although you've given a very eloquent description of why she's like she is i feel that i feel it's all just neutered by the fact it could all have been solved by a kiss well i mean we also when we even look at the devils i mean they've got their own issues oh i mean i mean that's fantastic they don't get on right and like one ends up killing i think at least on one occasion one of the devils kills another one right (laughs) oh yeah yeah you've got um you've got yuramaru who's the guy who has like electrical powers um he's blown up by zakuro who's the female explosive expert and it always basically the fact that yomaru is gay and has this whole crush on um gamon Mm -hmm. who's like their big boss and he keeps rejecting uh zakuro's advances and calls her like an idiot and like belittles her the whole film and then it gets to the end she leaves a gunpowder rat and blows him (laughs) up gunpowder rat i mean again classic the other great thing about this is I picked up the DVD of this and um, it, it's only got a dub on it, only got an English dub. There's no, there's no Japanese yeah. language. But the English dub is really fucking good. Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely a top-tier dub it's that you excellent. have with this. It really is. It doesn't... Sometimes you... Especially with manga, sometimes they don't really get the acting right, the, 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 the English actors, and everything just sounds a bit... A bit like it's dubbed, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, yeah. But this is this is really really good. Um, I didn't, I you know, normally I'm an absolute 
stickler for, for the original language and subtitles, but this was fine. The only thing I had an issue with is that they decided to do the DVD menus like a like a like a like a manga, and everything goes backwards. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? You know, everything's going from right to left instead of left to right, yeah. and it's like really that's just not needed. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> but I guess I guess maybe lots of lots of um anime dvds are like that i just don't i just haven't played enough of them but um yeah when we get into like the big finale and it's again it's just dubai versus numerous mass ninjas we have this really great set piece on a boat that could be taken out of any sort of action movie and i can see why you'd want it just for that particular scene in particular where um you've got dakaran who's trying to set the uh the ship ablaze and he gets caught um by the uh by Zakaru, the explosives there ninja and um he basically um tries to tries to blow her up by covering her in oil and uh, has his light extinguished and then Dubai like appears out of nowhere with a candle. <laughs> yeah, um, and then you have like that really awesome fight between Gemon and Dubai at the end because Gemon obviously being invincible. It's like how do you kill a man who can just like regenerate himself? Even if his head gets chopped off, yes, he can regenerate himself. Yeah, but um, and and then George R. R. Martin must have seen this because um, the molten gold, which is how Daenerys kills her brother in King Game of Thrones, is uh, you know, Gemma Gemma dies by his own greed, doesn't he? I suppose. Burn your golden hell, game on! Yeah, it's um. <laughs> Gold, gold, and the god of mammon, and hot, hot temperatures don't go well together, and that's how to. Uh, I assume that. Sinks I assume that kills him. <laughs> I assume he's just sunk to the bottom oh, of the ocean. He's going to be stuck there for the rest of his life. Well, he still needs to <laughs> breathe, doesn't he? I think. Not really, because he's a model. Mm. He had his head chopped off. Mm. I don't think breathing's a big. True. True. Big thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it ends on this real note where you kind of like want to see where this adventure continues I mean Dubai returns to his vagabond lifestyle kind of like um like Yijimbo. yeah like 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 all solo samurai I suppose they they have their adventure and then if they've survived as uh, a another one they always seem to uh at the end of the story however crazy or nuts it's been go off alone on their vagabond ways um, now this is obviously get followed up with a series, um, which I yet to see. You also had Ninja Resurrection, which um, was marketed as a sequel to this um, in the states, but obviously it wasn't. It was its own fr- property. Frustratingly, it was never finished either. So you won't. We only got two episodes of the four that they are planned, and it ends on a pissing cliffhanger, of course. With uh, Satan being resurrected and unleashing all chaos on on Earth, and uh, Dubai sent up to face him, and we never know how it turns out. So, thank you guys for not supporting Ninja Resurrection. Uh, yeah, how often does that happen? I also see, you know, I also see there was going to be a live action adaptation, and Leonardo DiCaprio was involved, and then the director of Dracula Untold was involved, and maybe we're all glad it's in development hell now. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, DiCaprio was involved in the Akira. I think he still is yeah. involved in the Akira version as well. So, yeah, I think I'd um, 
yeah, I, I don't know. I, the, the, lot, a lot of these things, someone just you just randomly buy the rights. We like to think they're great fans of it, but maybe they just got told to buy the rights. I don't know. But I'd um, yeah, I I I just think this would be it's you know, like I say, like the four is quite the first the fourth film is quite good, and I haven't, I haven't seen the sequels. I imagine they're shit. But I'd, I'd like to see a superhero-type film set in Edo-era Japan, wouldn't you? It'd be, it'd be great. I'm always up for a fun twist on, on, the, on the format, certainly like this. Um, be it like magic or steampunk elements in it, I think it's always interesting when you, you take the convention and then give it a twist. Mm. Um, I, mean, I, guess, um, I, guess, I guess, you know, and, and we could make it a Samurai Showdown. Um, movie like this makes, like, yeah. like uh, Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. I think this is somewhere I should um manga and um, manga or anime. Uh, there's bound to be an anime, isn't there? I've heard if, if I remember right, it wasn't good either. So. Oh, yeah, mate, there's, there's 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 animes of dead or alive. <laughs> oh. In fact, there's a live action of dead or alive, isn't there? Thinking about it, jiggly boob settings. Anyway, we digress. The Dead Alive film wasn't bad. I remember it had Holly... Not Holly Willoughby. Holly Valance. Oh, from Neighbours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when she was a thing for five minutes. Yeah, God bless her. Oh, dear. Um, but yeah, Samurai Shodan, I would love to see him do something proper with that. Well, it's a really interesting game because it's not a beat em up in the... or fight em up in the... because it's swords... It doesn't actually take so much to kill people. It's a very technical game, and there's hundreds of them as well, aren't there? Um, yep, with over 80 playable characters. Yeah. Some, some inspired by historical figures, um, like Katori Hanzo and Yuka Jubai. Yeah, no, really good. I mean, from the old classic, the, the, the arcade system we all wanted and none of us could afford. But wonderful, no. wonderfully... Emulatable these days, the Neo Geo, but um, but the game, you know, this, the, there was a Samurai Showdown game on the PS4 fairly recently, I seem to remember, or on all all platforms fairly recently. So they all they all exist, and yeah, I I, I did see the parallels. Funny, I mean, it may I may not have noticed it if you hadn't pointed it out, and I went on a little rabbit hole search to find out if that was true or not. <laughs> it's just an excuse to really dig out Samurai Showdown too, which is really the only one you need. Samurai Showdown 2 is like the one I put the most money into. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Earthquake was my character of choice. He's the big ninja with the chain and scythe. Yeah, I don't think I've played. I mean, I've got them. I've got like Neo Geo stuff now. Like little. I've got the little arcade thing they did. And I've got a few of the games that. On emulation. But I'm not very good at them. Because it's, it's quite a skilled, skilled game. As for a fighter, well, all fighters are skilled. I just button bash, button bash, <laughs> and and button bashing doesn't work in Samurai Showdown. I have really mixed feelings about this, right? Because so much of it I really enjoyed. Yeah, the yeah, I th- I, the, the the animation, the visual styling, the the kind of the way that it was like an X Men film set in another world. Um, and Dubai as a character was interesting. In fact, the, the plot is interesting. I mean, it's you know there, there's there's a little bit of, of subterfuge in the villain's plan. You know, they set up a fake a fake 
epidemic, you know, which is very timely these days, in order to do something else. Um, so there's there's a there's a fair bit of depth here. I just wish that one character was not defined by his sexuality, and then for it to be a complete red herring in the end. Um, easily easily fixed. You know, that could easily be fixed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 pretty good. It's no Ghost in the Shell, and it's no Akira, and it's no Perfect Blue, right? It, it, yeah, it, I mean, obviously, when you well, but then again, you compare, you look at Satoshi Kon. I mean, he doesn't. He, he's one of the few anime directors who work you sort of look at by name. Mm. Um, it's like like Murasaki. Um, he's like the his work is sort of like. I don't want to say it's risen above, you know, what anime is, but they sort of have on you view it on the same level that you would like a normal feature film, yeah, uh, like a Christopher Nolan film, for example, or a, you would you you view these films as being on that same level, um, just like because they bring so much sort of style and substance to them um, that that it's obviously easier to sort of compare. Whereas obviously something like this is a little harder to sort of justify. Outside of the old anime uh, bounds, but I think it's still I think it's still a a key title, not only just within old school anime, but I think this anime in general. I think it's still one of those titles, and I think it's certainly responsible for you know giving animation anime that big impact back in the early nineties that needed to obviously break through into the West. Mm. So um, it's not as notorious as obviously like Wicked City or. Um, Legend of the Other Fiend, but at the same time, it's not as subtle as like a, a Ghost in the Shell or or something like that. So. No, it's not. It's not got deep psychological um, stories to explore. I mean, it was. I, I was just doing some, you know, again, you know, we we look at the old uh, Wikipedia page, and you know, back in two thousand and four, it was voted as one of the ten most important animes. But then I found more recent things which bring it down into the thirties. I just think. I just think anime has just gone from strength to strength hasn't it and as as some of those greats have put out more and, more. and again do you include Ghibli in that world um I, I, I always feel that they're not really anime in this sense <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're animated films that come from Japan um it did because it's they're sort of like the, a stu- their own studio mm. They're very so. It's like this is again. I think this is why people like used to call him like the Disney of the East, and it's like no, his films are anything but Disney. Indeed. Um, but and I think it's because it it was like Studio Ghibli. It wasn't like you know Satoshi Kon. It's um it, it's a studio uh, that you were sort of associate you associate as being something bigger. Mm. Yeah, but but you know. The, I don't know how many films they've done, but even if they've done 20 films, all 20 of them are probably pu- pu- pushing down a lot of other deserving things. I don't, I don't know. But this is, yeah, this this is, you know, for five quid, mate, it was a really enjoyable movie. <laughs> I, I'm so glad you enjoyed it because it didn't cost you much. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a terrible thing to say, isn't it? However, is it a film... No, see, again, I'm torn because is it a film I'm going to go and watch again? Probably not. If you told me they're doing a live action of Ninja Scroll, I'm going to I'm going to be all over it. It's real, or if, that, if if you tell me there's a sequel to it, I'll be all over it. So I'm in a really weird yeah. place with this 
It's, I'm not. I'm not. This isn't my terrorizers. Don't worry. <laughs> I think you're pretty fine that, like, when it comes to like the sexual violence elements, because you know what to expect, it's less shocking. The, mm. more, the more you watch it, or you just skip over those bits. Yeah, and and again, uh, the, the the it's a bit hard when you like watching it for the first time. Yeah, to, like, I mean, to skip it was, over its something. original censorship in the UK was the sexual violence was taken out, which. I'm kind of all right with. However, it also took out anything with throwing stars because that was a thing, wasn't it, back then? Yeah, James Furman didn't like Weapons of the East and he didn't like Chainsaws, so the fact that Chainsaw Massacre got banned on the fact it had Chainsaw in the title mm. um, and like when you look at um, Where the Dragon with the nunchuck scene... So they basically they banned they banned things like that, and then you had it created these really interesting cases, like when you got into um, Ninja Turtles Two: Secret of the Ooze, and there's a scene where Michelangelo's using a string of sausages uh, to grow up people, and it's sort of like, does that count as a weapon or is it sausages? So it's it created those weird cases, and obviously when he left the board. You saw a lot of these these titles like finally getting releases. Mm. Like, um, Test Chains of Massacre came out, Jerelicola came out. Basically, all the video nasty really, suddenly he like really didn't releases. like Eastern Weapons, did he? I remember, I remember the nunchucks, especially. It, it was like a perfect storm of like people censoring things who had no right to be censoring mm. things because I mean, you obviously have like the whole video nasties scandal to blame for for him as well because you had him you had mary whitehouse and the head of the police at the same time known who had the wonderful moniker of god's cop <laughs> um like spit these like real fanatics who were just like gonna save the save the british public from this moral offending filth i mean you used to see like headlines in the paper with like when anime was like coming out it's sort of like ban this sick filth and then they have like seen some like legend of the other thing but completely out of context and they go look at this look at what this is yeah i don't i don't, I um, don't remember anime being particularly targeted but maybe i just wasn't looking in the right places but i do remember I'm, i do remember ridiculous things getting well, I remember like back in '94 when they showed Akira for the first time on the BBC Two of all mm-hmm. places, and the night before they had their documentary um, on on anime, but it was called Manga, yeah. and it's like, oh, we were still at that stage where we we're calling anime Manga. It's prevented by Jonathan Rossby's interviewing like um, sweaty people in basements mm-hmm. who were like, like it, yeah, and you see like anime the this anime convention in. Birmingham and it's basically like um like a business room in some hotel. And you compare that to like now where we got Comic Con where it's like huge convention centres. Like even the anime conventions are like huge events and people like dressed up and stuff and this is like a few guys with like boxes of comics and like oh. some some DVDs that have been yeah. fan subbed and, and stuff. And look, you know, you go to any brick and mortar as I said earlier, brick and mortar C D D V D seller. There's an entire an entire chunky section will be anime. You go to a real bookshop, an entire section is manga. Um, you you know, people dress up as anime characters. I mean, I, I I get time and time again. I meet people say, "Oh, my daughter's really into that stuff." Or actually, what they do to me, mate, is come up and say, "My daughter or son are into this stuff. Is it weird? Yeah. Is it is it is it all right for them to watch it?" And I'm going like, hard to tell. Because it depends what they're watching. <laughs> it's there's there's just the same just the same as anything. Um, 
there's good, there's bad, there's stuff you probably they shouldn't be watching, but it it but it's just it's just a it's just an accepted thing now, isn't it? That I I I think you'll be hard pressed to find anybody under the age of fifty who doesn't know what anime is or have at least watched one or two. If you want to a good podcast though for diving into like the old school anime scene, I would recommend checking out the Anime Nostalgia Podcast podcast hosted by uh, Dawn or Usumimi, um, as is her podcasting alter ego. Um, just because it taps into like all these sort of old school anime titles, and again, it's not just a sex and violence. There's a lot of um, more sort of like sci-fi and fantasy edge ones in there as well. She covers a real gambit of stuff, and um, I think, as I said, she's a really good podcast to check out. And uh, recently hit 100, where she covered Fist of the North Star for a hundred episodes. So well done to her. Here we are on 69. Yeah, come on to our show. So, we we'll send her a, we we'll send her an email over and see if we can make that happen. Get some crossover, because we keep asking the Blade the Confused guys and not had any luck yet. So, if you go into Grant's Twitter and uh, pester him and say, you know, you really want to go and hang out with those <laughs> AC Film Club guys, you just like go and be like Lord of the Rings. We're bringing together all the the um, Eastern cinema superpowers together and then we'll go and take on eastern kicks well i'll be i'll be somewhat um what's the word i'll be gone well, you i'll be somewhat conflicted there wouldn't i <laughs> oh, no i know where my bread's buttered mate 69 episodes on the way to 100 let's go yeah uh but yeah i don't know if you've got anything else that you I, wanna... I i don't know it's um yeah, just a just a weird one for me. That being said, it's a nice episode. Thank you as always for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to listen to us. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We're also on Instagram. Our Facebook group in particular is a really good hangout. We post something new pretty much every single day. Not only film related, but uh, also a lot of Asian pop culture on there as well. And uh, we have some great you know, interaction happening there, so uh, definitely go and hit us up there, especially. Um, you can check out our full archive episodes at asiacinemafilmclub.wordpress.com and uh, also on there we've got some great writing as well from the likes of David Brooks, we've got the Dark Side of Asian Cinema, we've got the mixtape, just whole host of stuff, as well as the archive of every single one of our episodes to date. But uh, thank you as always for listening, and before we obviously go, Stephen, what would you like to discuss for our next episode? Cause it's your pick. It's my pick. So, um, yeah, it's just all a million films. It's really hard to choose. However, I was thinking about this film that we've just talked about today. Is like you know one of those gateway animes, um, you know, along with Ghost of the Shell and and um, Akira, and I wanted to pick a film that was sort of gateway for me because I didn't come in through the anime route at all and I didn't actually come in through the horror route either. Um, my, you know, my original, my original sort of foray into this was um, uh, sort of <laughs> some <laughs> sort of little videos passed through emails in the early days of the internet. I remember receiving an email with these crazy looking um, things going on and, and they were like a football match where 
Kung Fu was involved, and and that led me to find out this was this was a film called Shaolin Soccer by Stephen Chow, who everybody who knows me knows I'm obsessed with Stephen Chow, and I've only brought one Stephen Chow to the show before, although I've gone and gone off on Eastern Kicks and done a whole show on Stephen Chow and Molo Tai over there. Um, but I'd, yeah, I'd really like to talk about Shaolin Soccer because it was the film that probably first off got me into Asian cinema. Great, it's really a unique choice, especially because whenever you say like Stephen Chow, I'd like assume that you're gonna like talk about like King of Comedy or uh, one of those. But no, we certainly will talk about. I mean, yeah, it, uh, It's not my favourite. I've got to be honest with you, but it's where I started. Um, yeah, obviously King of Comedy. Well, I'm saving that for a special episode. <laughs> I was trying to remember the other Stephen Chow movie that we covered. I remember it's Got a Cookery that we covered so previously. We, yeah. and that was like way back in the day. Very, very early one. So it's very surprising I haven't, because you've managed to get a, a number of con films into the show, and I, I'm falling behind on the Stephen Chow's. <laughs> I think yeah, we've we've, we've gone. We've only got to do paprika, and then we've done we've done everything. <laughs> we've done a lot, yeah. So, <clears throat> but um, thank you as always for listening. Thank you to my co-host Stephen. Pleasure as always. And we will be back next time to talk about Shaolin Soccer. But until then, good night. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.